You are listening to the Apex Nutrition Podcast on Mountain Bike Radio. Welcome listeners to a new episode of the Apex Nutrition Podcast. Over there is Kelly. Hello, hello. Is me, Ben. All right. So we are talking in this episode about brains. Brains. Yes. It is a whole new world of emerging science, nutrition, information that we know very little about at the end of the day, I think. Uh, but uh, I'll let Kelly do a little explanation, a little prep intro uh, about what she's going to talk about. All right. So Kelly, what's up? Yeah, this kind of spurred from, remember the episode we did about um, minimizing damage of endurance training? Mm-hmm. Um, we did that. It might've even been two or three years ago, but it kind of spurred it was me. A while. Yeah. It was a while. Yeah. And, but it's still very relevant. Are probably wondering, yeah, listeners are probably wondering, man, I didn't listen to that. Where do I find it? Go to the Mountain Bike Radio app, go to the search box and type in Apex Nutrition. And actually you could probably, I don't know the title of it, but just search. It's search minimizing that. It'll bring damage up all the, is in there. Okay. So type in Apex Nutrition Minimizing Damage and it should pull up. So yeah. yeah. Um, and I actually just did that talk live at a physical therapy place the other day. But anyway, um, How'd that go? Kind of, really well. Yeah. It had been a long time actually since I had talked live. <laughs> Um, without an editing, um, yeah, piece, but anyway, we don't edit. Um, I don't, I don't even have to edit that much this oh, other than good. just sound quality. So yeah, that's good. Um, but anyway, it kind of spurred me to thinking more and more about athletes and like the dis- different systems in our bodies and kind of, um, athletes, but also just aging in general and how we can best take care of each system. And, um, I always have like six books I want to write in my head. Um, and one that I would love to write is, um, like athlete health from, from your hair to your toes, you know, like what we can do, um, to keep ourselves healthy as we age and, and as we're athletes. And so I thought we'd start with the brain and I'm, um, you know, starting this research and I don't know if this will ever turn to a book because it's, it's just huge. It's a huge topic. And I'm not, you know, an expert in in all of this, but I do have a unique perspective from the nutrition side and from just working with so many clients over time on a lot of this stuff. So I think it's a it's worth a dive in for us at least, because um, we all have brains and we all want them to stay healthy and young as long as we can. I I think so. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about several aspects of what um, affects our brains, just concisely. And we'll try not a lot of it is really technical science stuff, but um, I'll give you the concise stuff, and then you can look it up if you would like. And we'll talk about nutrition and how that affects the brain, and then we will relate it to athletes, kind of what we're good at with this and what we're not so great at. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. And this and this whole thing is okay, listeners. Without like some medical disclaimer, this is meant to be more of i mean we're not getting into like technical stuff can you right kelly i mean how are you how are you (laughs) i'm going to report on the studies that are out there um you know and a lot of it is like common sense recommendations um same thing with all my nutrition stuff you know on an individual level you need to speak to your doctor or your own dietitian or me if i became your dietitian on specifics for yourself but a lot of this is just stuff we already know i'm just going to let you know what the science is saying right now um and then you can come to your own conclusions about what you need to do yeah and this is back back to the minimized damage thing if you go to mm-hmm. cuz i was just typing in just to get it if you go to the app 
type in minimize, it will bring up the exact episode, which is titled Five Ways to Minimize the Damage from Endurance Training and Racing. And that was posted on Wednesday, September 10th, 2014. Oh my that gosh. Three, three years, years ago, ago Kelly. <laughs> Time flies. Well, and I think, you know, something we talk about in that one, and I'll briefly just say is, you know, so I've worked with all these athletes, thousands over 10 or 12 years now, and um, really talk to them, really find out what's going on in their lives with training and eating and all this stuff and their goals. And with endurance athletes specifically, we sort of tip over the, I'm just exercising and being healthy. And oftentimes we tip over into things that are actually damaging our bodies. So, um, you know, an exercise is healthy, but extra exercise without doing things to help your body out and give your body what it needs for that extra endurance level is what can cause damage. So that's kind of where that comes from. And that's where some of this comes from too. Cool. So, all right, we got, let's talk about the brain. Okay, so we're going to talk about things that help it, things that hurt it, um, and, and how we're all doing with that. So the first thing I want to talk about is cardiovascular exercise. What are you thinking, Ben, help or hurt? Ooh, I think it's a trick question. <laughs> I think it's both. It helps okay, up why? to a certain point. It helps up to a certain point, but then when you, like you said, when you're tipping the scales to the doing it a ton and maybe over a little bit, then you're causing... Uh, your body to use some resources. And I think it's probably would hurt it a little bit, but I don't know. Could be. Well, and yeah, I I think that's a good point. Most of the studies are just, they don't, they don't study this enough to separate just, um, let's say your 60 minute cardiovascular exercise athlete from endurance longer. Um, As we know, endurance athletes, you know, it is a small niche overall. I think when people um, are studied, it's usually like marathon runners or something like that. Um, So I didn't see a lot of, um, studies that show the hurt. But to be honest, anything that affects your brain negatively in an acute way, like when you know, let's say you drink too much alcohol and then you know like memory and function and all this is going downhill, that is, you know, evidence of your brain being affected. So I guess with endurance exercise, if you're bonking, a lot of those same things happen, not exactly like alcohol, but right. You can't, you know, blurry vision and you um, you can't think straight and you're just kind of like sitting there and you don't know how to finish your ride or whatever. So yeah, I would agree that that can happen. But overall, cardiovascular exercise is one of the best. They say even better than brain exercises for structural health of your brain, improving memory, um, decreasing inflammation, decreasing insulin resistance, all these things that are going to hurt your brain. Exercise is beneficial towards your brain. So, and the biggest thing is that it increases blood flow. And anytime you increase blood flow and oxygen to your brain, you improve over time its structure and immediately just its function. So as athletes, I think we are doing this right. I think as endurance athletes, endurance athletes, it's a good point that we don't want to push ourselves to where our blood sugars are doing crazy things and we're bonking. And um, you could definitely go back in our archives and find out how not to bonk um, in there. So that was the first thing. Exercise is one of the best things you can do for your brain as you age. And one interesting thing, though, and I'm not saying that these aren't beneficial for your body, but resistance training, balance, flexibility, and muscle toning don't show these same benefits on scans when they see what's lighting up in your brain and how the structure is looking. It's cardiovascular exercise that does it. So interesting stuff. It, it makes sense because it's about the blood flow. Yeah, it gets blood Number moving. two. Gets the blood moving. Yep. Everywhere. Number two we're going to talk about is sleep. 
What do you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, sleep is definitely good. Yeah. Definitely good. This one, there's been a few times in my career where I've had like kind of like mid-career, mid-life crisis <laughs> that come up and like hit me in the face. And and this one was Do you get that like every two weeks? Do I say it every two weeks? weeks? <laughs> no, but as like, somebody dang, that does- Like, dang, I'm doing this all wrong. Yeah, no, as somebody that does, has their own things, own businesses going on, I mean, that's a normal, that's like a daily yeah. cycle. It's like, oh, God, yeah, I don't to do this uh, anymore. Oh, this is awesome. Oh, damn, shit. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. wrong. I've been telling people. <laughs> we'll talk about that when crisis. we get to stress. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, daily life. The The hard part about this is like one of my favorite motivational quotes in the world is um, wake up with determination, go to bed with satisfaction. And to me, that's always meant like get up, wake up and like, you know, do your stuff. Get, get up, you know. I've I've loved getting up early and biking or skiing or whatever I'm doing. And even if I'm tired later in the day, like I feel great about it and I do my work before my kids get up or whatever. Right. So I've been on that mode for a long time, um, maybe like 10 years. Um, and in between there, of course, with sleep, I've had a lot of babies. So that's been a part of it too. Um, but man, the research that I've read about sleep and how it affects your brain, like smacked me in the face. And, um, and man, it, it's it's a bummer in a lot of ways because I, I always I often say too is like I just need a few more hours in my day to get everything done that I need to get done. And I think a lot of us operate like that, and um, I've almost kind of fallen into the the thought that sleep is almost wasted time compared to getting up early and getting something done. You know what I mean? Like you feel bad because you're just sleeping. Yeah, and it's um, yeah, it's a waste know. of time. Yeah, it's hard. You do know, it's, right? Yeah. It's hard and. And that's like a very much um, a part of our culture. And I don't mean just like as Americans or wherever you are. I think um, like the time in the world that we live in, um, that's part of a lot of our cultures is that it's a waste of time. Um, so what I found, and there's, there's a few things, so I'll just go through a few things kind of quickly, and then we can talk about whatever seems interesting. Um, we know, you know, I think anyone who's had some sleep deprivation, whether it's for one night or three nights or three months or like since your children were born, if you're a parent, um, can tell you that like memory is is a problem. <laughs> Functioning is a problem. Not, you know, having a heightened emotional response is a problem when you're sleep deprived. Feeling overwhelmed is a, you know, is a problem. All these little things that you have to depend on your brain doing in a day, you know, small functions go downhill when you're sleep deprived. I think that's obvious. And what we don't often think about though beyond that is, okay, well, what's actually happening to my brain then? Like what, why is this happening? And one of the things that happens when we sleep are that toxins are removed from our brains. Something that's really interesting to me is that um, recently I was driving, I picked up my kids from school and I was driving back home and that's right when um, NPR, like the science little blurb on NPR comes on. Mm -hmm. We have community radio and that's it where I live. So, <laughs> you know, which is great. So I'm listening to the NPR and it is a new finding that our immune systems are hooked to our brains. I mean, I, I guess I never thought about it before, but this is like a new science. Like they, yeah, they forever, found a I lymph guess, thought, connection, lymph exactly. connection between This them. is new. Yeah, yeah, new. Like we didn't know it. We've yeah. been studying the body for Like this years. year. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and it's interesting because the more I started looking, and I've been preparing for this longer than I prepare for these podcasts usually. Mm -hmm. Um 
for like three or four weeks now because um, I was nervous about it and I wanted to know more. And every time I started studying it, there was like more to learn. And um, it's just a huge area. But they always thought that the brain had like its own immune function or own immune system kind of that worked with it. And so this is a new thing that our lymph system and what the lymph does is it carries, um, you know, fluids and it carries away toxins basically. Um is connected right to our brains. Like it's the same system. So the the interesting thing with this is the lymph is part of the immune um, system, right? The interesting part then is that our brains and sleep deprivation affect our immune system and the health of our immune system affects our brains like a two-way street. And so since the lymph is responsible for taking away toxins, what happens when we don't get adequate time of this toxin removal is the toxins build up. In the short term, this can be like foggy brain. This can just be, you know, what we've talked about, short term, not functioning on all cylinders in our brain. In the long term, they think that this has um, implications for Alzheimer's, for um, MS, for dementia. All these things are related, they think now, to immune function in sleep. And the big connection, too, is like people with sleep apnea have higher incidences of Alzheimer's. And so the toxins aren't being removed or, you know, when sleep is interrupted, um, all these things are not happening. So this might seem, I don't know, part of me thinks like that was probably common sense that we knew, but but then really the research is just is new. Um, and the other interesting thing I found with sleep is that some things aren't taken care of or um, that part of the brain function is decreased and other things are put into like hyperdrive. One of the ones is astrocytes, which are these little star-shaped brain cells, and they um, clean out worn-out cells. And this is a whole different system than the toxins we were just talking about, but cells that need to be replaced in the brain, they go into hyperdrive when there's a sleep deprivation issue, and they clean out like way too many cells. And so they actually damage the brain in that way. There's, you know, things with the hippocampus where um, that, and that's the part with storing new memories, that that gets altered. Um, and it has to do with the structure of the brain, not just that you're tired. And I think that was the big connection for me is it's not just like, oh, I'm not tired, so I must be getting enough sleep. It's more like, no, real things are happening while you sleep. It's not a waste of time. It is like a huge, important function of your body. And these things only happen when you're sleeping because they have huge energy costs and your body can't do them at the same time as when you're awake. So, man, oh, man, that one was, I don't know if if I'm the only one that that's going to be big for, (laughs) but that was pretty big for me in thinking about what I've been doing with waking up too early in order to do things more productive. I know. (laughs) So if I don't get I know, sleep, like this was a horrible thing for me. If I don't get sleep, these astrocytes are going to like tear apart like healthy tissue. It's probably not good. Yeah, that, that's like not good. And then the other, the opposite of that, like the whole toxins not being cleaned out are probably it's probably even more scary to me. Um, and so then it's like, well, what do you do if I have you know X, Y, and Z to get done during the day, and I can't get it done unless I wake up early. And then the other side of it for me is, you know, my oldest doesn't even go to bed until nine now. And so if I even want like one hour of not, you know, kids all being in bed, then that pushes the sleep time late. You know, it's the whole thing. And I guess the only answer for me was to to maybe not have so many things to do. I don't know. This is a tough one. Um, yeah, I don't know exactly where to go with it, but I do know that. So for the last like um, 
Oh, it's been at least two and a half months. You know, about two and a half months ago, I was meeting with friends and I was like, you know, one of them wakes up early. And I was like, I want you to be my accountability partner because ever since we moved, I haven't been waking up early and I used to and I need to get back on that. So I'm going to text you every morning at five when I wake up. And then I started doing some of this research um, and I decided, no, so I'm not. I'm sleeping until seven every day. You and, are like, I'm not getting as much done. I feel lazy. It's It's been hard. I'm not getting as much done. Like things, um, you know, I always have like clients I work with, but I, then I always have big projects in the background. These things I want to write, the websites I want to improve, all of this. And those are the things not getting done. So it's been interesting for me. <laughs> so that's sleep. And I don't know exactly how many hours. Um, there's not like, you know, they say that people, adults need seven to 10. Some people really only need seven to get every all their brains work that fast during sleep. Others actually need 10. And I don't know how you're supposed to know. And it probably varies exactly. day to day, you know, based on activity. And stuff. Probably varies day to day. And right. What's going on in your life? How many toxins are building up <laughs> because of your lifestyle? Um, I don't know. So somewhere in there, though, is is the right answer. I feel like now that I'm getting upwards of, you know, eight to nine, that that's probably right for me. Um, I'm just letting myself wake up and that's what, you know, I can't sleep past that because my, because I got to get up, mm -hmm. you know, at some time, <laughs> seven is plenty. Um, but it seems about right. So I don't know if I'm ever going to be very productive again in my life <laughs> is, is the problem. Okay. So that is sleep. Um, the next one I wanted to touch on was, um, Actual brain things that cause brain damage. <laughs> the big one right now, of course, is concussions, right? That's what everyone talks about when they see brains. Um, and the interesting thing with all of this, too, was um, for a long time, brains weren't scanned. Like that just wasn't happening. It was the only organ basically in the body that wasn't scanned whenever they wanted to treat it, right? So if you think something's wrong with your kidneys, you're going to get a scan and then they're going to decide. But what psychologists have done forever is treated the brain with all kinds of um, drugs without scanning until this guy, has, um, he's, he's a psychologist, um, Amen is his last name, A-M-E-N. He started scanning people just all the time like to, to decide how to treat them. And so he has the largest database of these brain scans. Um, and it's like 70,000 or something like that. And he started scanning people for all these different things, like when they're sleep deprived versus not, or and to see how the the structure. So that's why some of this is emerging, is because it's been during his career that they've actually seen the structure of the brain change and how the structure has implications on the function and so on. Um, so anyway, if we go to you know, of course, he talks a lot about concussions and how like long term effects of that. A, a lot of the good thing is with this damage that all of these things do. There is a chance to repair your brain, um, but it was interesting to see some of the scans on concussions. It does make me worried for my kids and for me. Um, so, of course, concussions are bad, and the the real bad thing is getting a concussion while you're concussed, like a double. And that's why I think doctors tell you when your kid hits his head, like they have to, you know, um, not participate in activities like for 24 hours because you don't want a secondary concussion. Um, I think with mountain biking, you know, we could talk about the helmets and I, I wanted to be able to do some studying on how effective really the new MIPS helmets are. I have one. Um, I don't really land on my head too much with mountain biking anymore. Yeah. I don't think I, I did too much. Um, 
but of course, like we, we don't want to, and, and that's a good thing to have. Have you read anything about how effective the, the new helmets are no. compared have, to the old ones? I haven't read any studies, anything beyond maybe some somebody's opinion. So I have no knowledge on it. Right. Me too. And then it's hard to decipher opinion versus who's getting paid to um, promote Big them news. and that sort of thing. Big news. <laughs> it's probably, you know, good. I don't know. Um, I know the last time I was in the market for a helmet, they were there. And so, and it was a birthday present. Yeah. So I mean, it, I obviously, um, I mean, like I said, I don't know Jack about it, but obviously it's it seems like they've taken new technology and improved safety beyond that. It could be. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it could be marketing. Yeah. I, um, and I wish I had an answer there. I think, the um, advice here from the experts is like limit the amount of times you hit your head as much as you possibly can and your kids. Um, I think that's hard in some ways. My kids, all they play soccer, you know, bouncing a ball on your head, they say actually does some some damage, even small amounts all the time when they're headering. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my kids is a goalie. Goalies are known for getting a bunch of concussions because sometimes they get kicked in the head. Like what? I don't know what you do here. I don't know. My kids don't play football. We don't really live in a football place. Um but plenty of people's do. I don't. I don't know the exact right answers as a parent or as a person who is an athlete. Um, I think with all of this, just like with anything, you have to pick your battles, and you can't just constantly live in fear of everything. You do what as good as you can within the lifestyle you want, is what I would say. And I'm not. You know, when I listened to a few podcasts by Dr. Amen, he was he you know said something about limiting or omitting all you know, um, high risk exercise, you know, he wants you to run and do those sort of things, all this exercise, but high risk. Um, and I can't remember if he said something about mountain biking or not, but if that's considered high risk, I'm going to say, sorry, yeah, sounds like a great that's life. part of Let my lifestyle. And I'm going to choose yeah, that. Read, read some books and sit yeah, in a chair and yeah. do nothing. Right. So I think that's the thing too, is that, you know, with all of this, and it was funny, I felt like while I was studying this, I hit my head really hard on something. It's like, it kept, like things kept happening. And I was like, man, am I just, I think I'm a little bit paranoid now. Like maybe I didn't even hit my head that hard, but now I'm worried about it. Um, and one of the things he said that was interesting to me was that your brain, you know, we think of it as kind of rubbery, the texture of it. And he said, no, that is like a, um, a cadaver's brain after it's been injected and preserved. He said that the brain itself is the consistency of soft butter and that there's all these jagged structures within your skull. Yeah. Isn't that the weirdest thing to think of? And that the inside of your skull that faces the brain has like jagged, hard pieces in it. So like bumps to your head like really do damage. So I don't know. It's enough to scare me, but I don't want to think about it too much. I'm getting a bunch of sleep now and that's what I'm doing. Um all right. So that was hits to your head. Can you think of, I'll give you like two more things that I'm going to touch on that can cause some damage. Syrup. What do you think? Uh, it's, uh, you want to guess? Okay. So we talked about hits. We talked <laughs> about sleep. We talked about uh, exercise. Stress is going to be one. Stress is coming up. So we'll talk about that one. But these are like physical things. Oh, uh, I don't know. What? All right, drugs and alcohol (laughs) and caffeine. He lumped caffeine right in there. And I was like, what? (laughs) Um, So that's a bummer. (laughs) Um, You know, the alcohol, at least, what I've read there is that for sure the structure is affected by a lot of indirect and direct things with alcohol. Um, But it's generally chronic use and it's overuse. 
but that's what people say when they want to still drink. Yeah, that seems like. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so probably any alcohol is going to do, yeah, is going to do some damage. And we all know that acute effects, you know, if you're not thinking right because you're drinking or whatever, we know all of those. Um, drugs, same thing. Um, caffeine is a bummer. It's a vasoconstrictor, and so he talks about it. Um, constricting blood flow to your brain anyway, and that being like the opposite of what exercise does. So. I don't know. Maybe since I take caffeine while I exercise it off. Offsets. Yeah. You know, we're back to the discussion we had a couple podcasts ago. And uh, I said that if it's going to take a year off my life to put a little bit of sugar in my coffee every day, then I'm good with that. Yeah, so. me too. Me too. And I think, you know, one of the things, if I ever did get to writing this, it wouldn't be that I want to help people like live one year, five years longer or never to die, because obviously we're all going to die. It's to like live a good life, a, live a healthy life, mm-hmm. not to live like an extra long life, if that makes sense. Um, you know, to kind of know what's happening with your body and then you choose what you want within yeah, your it's lifestyle. like one of those books. And you, I think that's you fair. You can choose the ending. <laughs> or the, that's choose right. your own. Choose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah, choose your own. <laughs> all right. So those two. Yeah. I got this for my kids and they did not think they were nearly as cool. Is they yeah. are, and well, you I need an electronic version. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing is um, phones, like um, the blue light in phones and lights, and I think this is more. They say that there's some um, visual to your brain; just it can cause some damage. But I think a lot of the research there is more that it impacts sleep. So then we're just back to sleep deprivation, um, and a lot of that is that you know your body operates on circadian rhythms. We've talked about this in in past shows that, you know, that the circadian rhythms in how the sun coming up and going down affects your whole body. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. Like here we are on this planet with this sun and it affects hormones in your body, telling you when to go to sleep, telling you when to wake up if you listen to it. But it also affects hormones that affect metabolism. Like we don't have the hormones we need to digest a whole bunch of food while we're supposed to be sleeping. And that's why eating during the middle of the night is not a good idea, but we do have those in place while we're awake. And so, you know, when we talk about circadian rhythms and now we talk about all this technology we have with our phones, with our computers, with our TVs, and them giving us this artificial light when we should be paying attention to the sunlight. um, That's how all of that affects us. And then in turn affects our brains because of sleep. So that's another thing. And I think, you know, there's good information there that we want to, Put down phones, put down, um, dim the lights, put away computers, um, use the night mode if you have to be on them, that sort of thing. Go without TV like an hour before you want to fall asleep, all of that to kind of make sure those hormones continue to operate like they should. Yeah. All right. So those for that. those are some yeah. of the damage ones. Uh, there are apps for that. <laughs> now we're fixing our technology problems with technology. I know. Isn't that funny? Awesome. Okay. <laughs> Okay, let's talk a little bit about stress. We'll go through this kind of quickly and then we'll go on to nutrition. Um, Stress. So, you know, acute amounts of stress here and there aren't really the big problem. The big problem is we live in a world where we just have kind of chronic stress, a lot of us, and it's not physical stress. It's not, uh, you hear this all the time. It's not like something's about to eat you. So you have this stress response and then you have like adrenaline and then you get rid of adrenaline because you run really fast or you kill what's about to eat you. Now we have just like stress because things are stressful and they're hard and they sit in our brains and we think about them and we think about them and we worry about them and we worry about them. And those hormones that are activated because of the stress are still there 
but chronically they are no good for our brains. In fact, they can shrink the hippocampus, which is um, responsible, again, for memories, for factual memories too, things like remembering names and remembering um, phone numbers or numbers and and facts. (laughs) And I can tell you, you know, I've called it mommy brain a lot of times, but for the life of me, I do not remember people's names nearly as good as I used to. Um, I might just be getting older, but I feel like it's not, it's since I've had kids and my husband has not had the same effects <laughs> as me. In fact, he makes fun of me because I can't, I'm not as good at remembering names as I used to be. Um, and I wonder if that's part of like, do I have like a shrinking hippocampus now? So it's no good to know all this stuff. Um, so there's that. The other thing with stress is that it increases a couple hormones cortisol, adrenaline, when these go into the bloodstream, they actually cause our livers to send out blood sugar. Because guess what? If something was about to eat you, you need some blood sugar from your liver so you can run really fast, right? So this was all supposed to work. Now, just blood sugar goes out into our um, our bloodstream. And for people who are healthy and don't have diabetes, like our bodies can probably handle this. But over time, this can lead to insulin um, resistance. We've talked about this in other shows. Insulin resistance causes our bodies to not deal with that blood sugar as well because they don't respond to insulin. Insulin is the hormone that takes care of the sugar in our blood and puts it away in cells where it doesn't do as much harm. Um, Sugar in our bloodstream over time, especially if it's not controlled now because we have this insulin resistance, makes arteries harder. This is a problem for our brains because we like those arteries in our brains to be nice and flexible because we want as much blood flow as possible. Also, these little vessels in our um, white matter of our brain can become hard, and that's a bad thing too. So stress hurts us in a couple ways, some because of um, just the effect itself on the hippocampus, but also on these hormones that cause increases in blood sugars and decreases in insulin sensitivity. So there's stress and I don't, um, (laughs) so, I mean, a few things with stress that we can talk about is one is sleep, right? Yeah. I feel like so much of the time when things seem extra stressful, it's because we have like sleep. Yeah. Stress kind of, and then things are overwhelming. Everything really. It does. I think it is a cycle of sleep though, because increased stress, just thinking about things when you're trying to sleep so you don't sleep well, and then you wake up like not rested, and then whatever's stressful in your life seems even bigger and harder and you can't solve it because you're tired, that sort of thing. So yeah, I think so too. It is. It's All of this is interweaved, and that's what's interesting. If I go through all of the different systems in our bodies, a lot of it is just going to be saying the same thing over and over as far as living a healthy life, which we will get to. It's not all going to be bad news. So that was stress. Now, a little bit about nutrition. Um, so the the big things that affect our brains with nutrition are, one, high blood sugars that we just talked about, and two, inflammation. So first with high blood sugars, again, this doesn't – the normal healthy person doesn't have blood sugars that go way high and way low, even when you eat a candy bar. Because your body has systems in place to not allow it to go that high. We have insulin, like I said, that takes the blood sugar and puts it, it's a key, it opens up the cells, puts the sugar from the blood into the cells. This might cause you to gain some weight, but it's not going to cause your arteries to get hard. So when I talk about this, I really hate it when I hear people talk about this, like every, everyone has the potential of having these high, high blood sugars. You don't. Unless you have hypo or hyperglycemia or diabetes or prediabetes, you don't have the ability for your body to do this. Now, 
causing your body to to work hard to not have high blood sugars over the course of your life put you at risk for diabetes. So there is this indirect thing, but please don't confuse this with every time you eat something sugary, this is what's happening if you're a healthy adult that doesn't have diabetes. Anyway, like I said, high blood sugars can. So we want to um, maintain the biggest thing with not getting high blood sugars is to maintain a healthy weight. Um, You can, of course, talk to me if you want help with weight loss or having a healthy diet. Um, We also, you know, don't want this overload of carbohydrates. High blood sugars come from sugar, but also just from white grains. So having a healthy diet that way Um, and then also decreasing the stress in our lives is, is big on um, blood sugars. Inflammation is something we've talked about quite a bit lately. And um, inflammation, one, high blood sugars are inflammatory to your body. Sugar is inflammatory to your body. So we don't want um, that side of it. But the other side of it is our hormone response to the different fats we eat. And chronic inflammation can affect the brain. It can manifest as problems like brain fog, depression, fatigue, all these like general things that are Mm kind of hard to talk about or diagnose. Um, but this is one of those like emerging science things too. how inflammation in our bodies. Did you ever watch, um, what was that show where the guy ate McDonald's for 30 days? Yeah. Supersize me. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? Did did you watch it? And at at the end he was like, like super depressed. (laughs) Like it was, I think that was the, the craziest thing to me. I think we all know that. Like if you go on vacation and you eat out a bunch or, you know, road trip and you can't eat the food you want, nothing's fresh. And you just kind of feel like, like super sloth mode or whatever. You're just like, oh. And I, that's just exactly what I think about when I think about the ending to that one. He basically ate only McDonald's for 30 days for anyone who didn't see it. And he actually had like clinical signs of depression at the end that he didn't have the beginning. And it's just super interesting that it affected the brain, especially back then. Um, but that was like an, a real effect on the brain. And I can't remember if they did brain scans or not, but it would have been interesting to see if the structure itself of the brain or where the activity in the brain that lights up um, would have been different. I know they checked everything else. Liver function went, it was all crazy. Blood sugar started to get a little bit wonky. Um, cholesterol, of course, like everything else was affected. So it makes sense that also, I mean, the brain is just another organ in our body. So of course, like this nutri- these nutrition problems are going to affect the brain as well. But we've talked about this over and over. As far as fats go and inflammation, again, we have omega-6 fats, and these compete with omega-3s. Omega-3s are going to be the ones that are anti-inflammatory in our whole body. And inflammation basically has implications for every chronic disease that we see these days, including now we're seeing diseases of the brain. Um So omega-3s are the ones that are anti-inflammatory. Omega-6s compete with them. And we want to decrease the omega-6s in our our food supply and in our bodies and increase the omega-3s. Something that's interesting, though, is you can't just supplement a ton of omega-3 and hope that that, like, balances out the omega-6s. There's a certain level, and it's about decreasing the omega-6s as well. And these problems all started basically with the industrial age. They say pre-industrial age, human consumption of omega-3s to omega-6s was somewhere around 1 to 1 ratio or 2.5 or 2 to 1.5 ratio, somewhere in there. Um, now, do you have any idea how high they, they um, estimate most Western world diets, like the ratio of omega-6s mm-hmm. to omega-3s is now? I'm just thinking of a general nutrition label of some crap. Uh <laughs> six to one five to one yeah 20 to th- between 20 to 30 to one 
is where we're at now. Yeah, a lot of it is the oils and the you know that the cheap cheap oils that are now in our entire food supply. And the reason it's oils is because vegetable oil is like the highest um, vegetable oil and the different vegetable oil. So soybean oil is what I talk about the most because it's the super cheap one that is in everything in your grocery store. And you can go back and listen to when we've talked about this before. But a huge problem for us is that we eat so many things from the grocery store that we're not making from scratch ourselves, or so many things that have an ingredients list instead of single ingredient um, food. So for example, if you eat, um, you know, bread from the store, you better be looking for soybean oil in that. If you make bread at home, you're not going to have any soybean oil anywhere in it, that sort of thing that's happened. And I'm not saying, you know, feel stress out because you need to make everything at home, but just be aware that most everything in the grocery store has these cheap oils in it and they're high in omega-6s and they're competing with the things you're trying to do to bring down the inflammation in your body. So the two things here is you look for that. You try to get soybean oil and other vegetable oils. So if it just says plain old vegetable oil, if it says sunflower oil, if it says safflower oil, if it says corn oil, any of those. Um, and we can link to, I actually put the um, grams of omega-6s in just one tablespoon of these oils in one of my posts. Um you're trying to get rid of those. It, it may ma- mean making things at home more, not everything, but as much as you can. Um, using olive oil, coconut oil, or avocado oil instead of, you probably don't have soybean oil lying around, hopefully. Um, so you can choose those better oils. Um, it means if you are taking an omega-3 supplement, which I recommend highly. Um, and, you know, someone asked me this, challenged me, a, a client the other day, like, is there actually any evidence that supplementing with fish oil is doing anything or, you know, she'd heard that all of it is rancid by the time you get it and this sort of thing. There's plenty if you go to PubMed and you um, search for research that shows supplementing even at the adult age. They used to think that DHA, which is one of the key um, fats in fish oil, only really had implications for infants and small children because it's embedded. It's actually part of the brain structure. But no, there's implications now that supplementing the DHA and EPA, those are the two from fish oil changes the structure and function and the risk of things like Alzheimer's in adults. So I recommend supplementing that with 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams of DHA and EPA in combination. Um, Do not supplement with something that says omega-3, 6, 9, because you're actually adding omega-6s to your diet now with a supplement, Um, and then also taking away the omega-6s. The other Two supplements that I recommend to re- reduce inflammation. I'm going to quiz you some more. What are the other two that I recommend to decrease inflammation in our bodies? So much. We yeah, talk about not this so in much. terms of decreasing inflammation. Magnesium? Yeah. No, decreasing pain uh, in my joints. I can't think of it offhand. Uh, it's uh, a spice. Uh, curcumin? Yes. Ex- oh, close enough. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, turmeric and ginger. Those two are anti-inflammatories too, and they're strong ones. So they can, it's different. It's not the same pathway. They don't affect like the hormones in the same way, but overall um, inflammation in the body is decreased and there are um, turmeric so, uh, brain I correct function. Myself. But a lot of times we're talking I about pain and inflammation of, like joints. I was thinking in terms of more like, you know, like first thing that came in my head is magnesium and uh, glutamine and that type of thing. I wasn't thinking the, or whatever, I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right <laughs> but uh, yeah you should have a you should have a podcast oh, where all you do is like oh, quiz me random. on random yeah, crap and make me 
do it. Uh, before, before you go any further, <laughs> is there one that I can link in the show notes that something that you would purchase? Because I know that's what people are thinking. Like, hang on. Yeah. Yeah. For fish oil? Yes. My favorite is um, Barleyans. And it's, so it says B-A-R-L-E-A-N apostrophe S. But you do have to search because that dang company does have some that are 963. It makes me crazy. Like, why? But this is a liquid fish oil. And there's a few things with it. Um, one one reason why I like the liquids is when people talk about like mm-hmm. fishy burps or like the you know side effects of taking fish oil, it's usually because that pill is like in their stomachs and their stomachs have to break down that soft gel. And so when it's liquid, it mm-hmm. just digests and you don't have any of those issues. Um, the other is you tend to get a lot of omega-3s. in a, It's like a two teaspoons a day for an adult. Not very much. A lot of times to get that much in a soft gel, you have to take these giant horse pills. And what I find is whenever I used to recommend those, there just wasn't a lot of compliance. So I tried to find one that people would take. And I know liquid fish oil sounds horrible. These, they somehow make them taste really good and they have decent ingredients. So um, the one that we take here is called um, citrus sorbet. <laughs> So I know it sounds like that's just a bunch of sugar. It's not bad at all. And um, the good thing is if you do have kids, it's really important for kids because their brains are still developing. And that's one of the best times to implant as much DHA in your brain as possible. Um, And, you know, there's plenty of studies about like attention deficit disorder and moods and all this stuff with kids. Um, And they'll take, oh, my kids like beg for it. If it wasn't expensive, I would like give them more. But cool. yeah, that's I'll the link that in the show notes, people. And when, by show notes, I mean, what I'll do is I'll link it to yeah. probably the Amazon link. And that's how you can help keep all this going, by the way, is click on that link and just shop. You can buy that or you can buy all your other stuff on the through the Amazon link as you're on there. And we'll get credit for referring you over there. So that helps pay for this. So I think that's a fair trade. I think it's a fair trade. Um, we One more one more topic and then I will buzz back through and just tell you my recommendation mm-hmm. with everything. So you don't have to remember everything we've talked about. Um, okay. So one more quiz since it's the month of November that we're recording this, I don't know when people will listen, but any idea on the last one that actually can change brain structure and function that has to do with the month of November. And it's not Movember for mustaches. I'll take that one out. Uh, it's going to be some chemical with Thanksgiving amino acids. It's gratitude. Oh, it's actually like a, a like a touchy feely thing, and not like a uh, actual thing. Oh no, this is like real science. Okay, so gratitude. So gratitude, really? I was thinking amino acids. There's some other <laughs> thing I could just take. Because it's like turkey. <laughs> give me a pill, damn it! No, yeah, you're going to work pill. at this one. Uh, so many. That's the problem with this whole mm. podcast is so many of these things are like lifestyle decisions and all oh, tough things. No gratitude can change. I am thankful that you told me that. I, you should be. And right now you're probably already smiling and this is affecting your brain. Exactly. It, My brain is all, it's tingling. It's right like now. lighting up in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like they can show on scans when people are thinking of things they appreciate and love that it's actually different right then versus when they're thinking about things that bother them. And then in the long term, the, like the structure of the brain changes. For people who are negative versus those who show gratitude. The good news is, is even if you just, you know, genetically, personality-wise are kind of a half um, glass, half empty sort of person, is you can make a difference with some exercise of this. Um, 
There's actually like scientific studies <laughs> that show if you write down five things you're thankful for at the end of every day and like not just not, not do it like in a like mad way, like, oh, but, you know, really think about these things and be grateful for them, that it can increase like the overall the parts of your brain that show happiness and perpetuate that in as little as three weeks. So it's I mean, emotions, it's it might sound woo woo. <laughs> But this is like a real, a real thing that can affect your brain. So right there, those are the things we went through. Let's see. Let me get back to my list. This was so long that I have to like scroll up and down what I'm looking at my notes. Oh, that's um, good. Okay. I'm grateful for that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. We started with exercise and all that to say our take home message was yes, athletes keep exercising. That's a great thing you're doing for yourself. It's great for your brain. You will keep yourself young in so many ways, including your brain function. If you're pushing yourself to your limits, then just make sure you are giving yourself nutrition um, that you need, including hydration. I should have mentioned hydration here. Dehydration can, you know, your brain is a lot of water. And I don't know that there's long-term effects for dehydration, but acutely, at least it can affect brain function. So don't bonk, keep yourself hydrated. Go back and listen to um, our podcast if you need to on exactly what is required there. The next thing was sleep. Take home message was, man, get more sleep um, for most of us. Some people might do this right. I certainly haven't in the past. Um, you know, and along with that is to do what it takes to either take things out of your day, um, say no a lot to to requests on your time, um, try to de-stress, put down the blue lights, dim, you know, listen to your body, realize that circadian rhythm is a real thing for your for your body, and um, and try to get try to increase sleep if you think you need it, and and I think most of us probably need it. Realize that like things are looming in the future that. Um, the sleep you get now has implications for your health, your brain health in the future. Um, the next thing we talked about was things that damage your brain, um, hitting your head and especially, you know, hitting it hard, uh, alcohol and drugs and caffeine. And then the last one was the, again, the, um, the artificial lights we look at. And so with all this, those were lifestyle things that we talked about, pick your battles and do your best to protect your head within within your lifestyle that you want. The next thing we talked about, I think, was nutrition. So basically here, we want clean diets. We don't want, you know, processed food, junk food. Think the opposite of eating McDonald's for 30 days in a row. Clean diets as much as possible. Single ingredient sort of foods as much as possible. If you're buying things at the grocery store, be ultra picky. Buy things that do not contain soybean oil. Um, I will tell you when it comes to things that require oil, like salad dressings, those, the, the ones that are decent that have olive oil are going to cost more. So my, my recommendation there is to maybe make it at home. It's not hard to make, um, salad dressing. It's one of the easier things you can make at home. Um, just be picky whenever you're at the store. Remember that they are not interested in your health as much as they're interested in your money. So it's on you to be picky, to avoid the processed things, avoid sugars and um, white starches as much as possible in daily nutrition. I know it always comes up. Well, what about all the um, sugar you recommend during training nutrition? Your body's in a completely different state. It's not really about the sugar as much as it's about the blood sugars, right? So whenever you are riding your bike actively, your body does not 
keep those sugars in the bloodstream. They're used up. So it's a totally different thing. It made me crazy. I just read an article in Outside Magazine the other day where they're talking about um, increasing diabetes risk because you're eating all this sugar. And it's like that connection just fails to be made time after time after time, that there's a difference between daily nutrition and training nutrition. And here we're talking about daily nutrition. So you want to avoid that junk, the sugars, um, sugary drinks, sugary foods, um, you know, as much as possible. There's, there's always room for a little bit, but you don't want your whole day to be consumed with white starches and sugars. And then as far as fats go, increase the omega-3s, decrease the omega-6s, and take things to reduce inflammation. And then lastly is practice gratitude, not just in November, but as much as you can all the time. Um, you know, I think it's just, that's kind of emerging science too, that there actually is science behind emotions affecting your brain. So that's where I'll leave it. Awesome. Listeners, that's it. So if you have any questions, comments, whatever about this episode or anything else, you can always email Kelly. It's K-E-L-L-I at apexnutritionllc.com. Go to her website at apexnutritionllc.com. Find her on Facebook. Twitter is at FuelWrite. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, whatever for me, Ben at mountainbikeradio.com. And if you want to keep hearing any of this or all of it or none of it or whatever, <laughs> and you've been listening for basically free, I would strongly encourage you and I'm begging you uh, to go to mountain bike for <laughs> I hate begging, but you know, basically this is what begging is. We just need to like think of a synonym for begging and it'll sound better. Yeah. <laughs> Taking offerings. Mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR to find out how you can support the show. And it doesn't include just giving money. It's uh, the general Amazon affiliate link is over there. And I know you all shop Amazon. And it doesn't just need to be for bike stuff. And it doesn't need to be for health stuff. Any of your shopping on Amazon, if you go through that link, you are supporting the show. So supporting everybody that's involved. So I would really appreciate that. Worst case, just go to whatever you're listening to and give us a good review. Click on the little five star thing would be awesome. That's it. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. Kelly, thank you for the time and the yeah. information. It's, uh, I am very grateful. Until <laughs> 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 the next episode, that will do it for the Apex Nutrition Podcast. 